0: In a world where there's an assumption that endeavours will want to expand and grow, I find it comforting that despite its popularity, the Porty Book Festival team are proud that it's a local festival for the community. In this episode, you'll hear from three of the authors featured at this year's festival, Emma Christie, Leslie Kelly and Graham Howard. But let's start with one of the organisers, Joanne Baird, who is the writer behind the Porty Book blog an avid reader and a proud member of the community.
1: Well, basically, it's always just been about being local, you know, sort of making it something that's for the community. You know, something that's for the community. We're not going to turn people away if they come from, you know, Greater Edinburgh or mm-hmm. whatever. You don't need to show up or a Portobello passport. Those of us who do it, we just love reading and we just want to share that love with other people. So for us, it really works. Keeping it small and local, it's a manageable, a manageable task for us over the year. Quite often I'll, I'll be walking along the prom like, oh, I know that person, how do I know them? Oh, they've been at the book festival. Tell me about your blog a little bit. Well, it's called Portobello Book Blog, very imaginative title. <laughs> An avid reader, I always have been, I'm a, a very fast reader as well. So on my blog I probably review two or three books a week. Wow, that's amazing, what a speed reader. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a fast reader, I just am. <laughs> so why
0: is it the Portobello Book Blog and not just Joanne's? Blog. What do you think it is about holding conversations in this community about books?
1: Well, I think the, you've just said the important word. It's community, isn't it? It's a fabulous community to be a part of. When I first started my blog, which is about five or six years ago, I was a little bit shy. I didn't want to call it Joanne's Book Blog. I thought, oh, I'm going to call it. I thought, just name it after where I live because it's a it's a great place. There's there's a lot of very creative people here, as you know. Porty Art walks on at the moment as well. There's lots of authors, artists, writers, musicians. It's a fabulous community to be a part of. So And readers, because I think you're in a couple of book groups, aren't you? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, everything's obviously been online for the, the past little while, but, uh, yeah, there's there's always people reading and keen to chat about what they've been reading, and, and I just love doing that.
0: Let's chat a bit about the content then, like what, who's coming this year,
1: which events should we get excited about? Oh, you should be excited for all of them. <laughs> Well, of course, it depends what you're interested in. There really is a, a, a good mixture. We've got health represented, whether it's physical health. We've got uh, Dr Gavin Francis coming to talk to us about what it was like, you know, working in, I would say working in the pandemic, but I presume it's obviously all still ongoing, but his experiences last year. And mental health is represented as well with uh, a couple of books to do with nature. One called Exploring Wild Histories, The Unremembered Places with Patrick Baker. And then Anna Deacon and Vicky Allen, who've uh, written books with photographs about For the Love of Trees and one about wild swimming, which I think you might be quite interested in as well. Yeah, I think that'll go
0: down really well here, mm-hmm. won't it? So there seems to be themes almost of post-pandemic and health and well-being, like mental health and that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: and there are a couple of things, I suppose, more specifically linked to the pandemic. I mean, it's not something you can't talk about really, is it? And I'm sure mm-hmm. it'll have affected a way a lot of the authors have worked over the past year too. I mean, even the fact that last year, you know, we were online and this year, like a lot of festivals, we are managing to <laughs> to actually be in person. We, we usually have a, a big opening event on the Friday night and for obvious reasons that can't quite happen in the same way this year. But what we are doing is we've had several local writers who have given us pieces of work based on their interpretation of the pandemic over the past few years. Uh, and it's going to be printed in a book which will be available for people to get from the library. It's called Pandemic Portobello, and we're having a book launch on the Friday night for that. Now, it's not one that is open to everybody, unfortunately, just because of numbers, so the contributors will be going to that, and some of the pieces are going to be read by Portobello actor Cal McAninch, who, if you've been watching the vigil, you may have spotted him in that recently. Then another one that I'm taking part in actually is called Reading Highlights of the Lockdown where myself and Ian so a well-known librarian in Portobello Library, possibly some others, we're not quite sure. We're going to be talking about the, the books that got us through, if you like. Ooh, can you give me a sneak preview of one book that got you through? <laughs> I will, well, I'll just tell you one just because I've mentioned it already and that is The Silent Daughter by Emma Christie. I don't read an awful lot of crime books, but I picked up that one and I couldn't put it down, so that's a good recommendation.
2: And, and you should enjoyed it, but that's amazing. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't <laughs> what, it? What can I say? Yeah, yeah. Thank you to Joanne and to everyone else in Portobello who's, you know, been so kind in their feedback.
0: As you can hear, I managed to pass on Joanne's compliment to Emma Christie. Emma's doing one of the two online events at the festival this year with the Caledonia Crime Collective, and I wanted to have a chat about her book, Silent Daughter, which is partly set in Portobello. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to me from Barcelona. Are you in Barcelona?
2: I live in Barcelona, but I've actually just come back to Scotland. got back yesterday, so I'm back for the Bloody Scotland Book Festival. And, of course, to visit Portobello. So
0: I hear that you've actually been nominated for a prize at the Bloody Scotland Festival. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I'm actually up for two prizes, which is quite amazing. I'm up for the debut of the year and the Scottish Crime Book of the year as well, the McAlvaney Prize. So totally delighted.
0: Congratulations. Thank that's you. fantastic. And these are for your debut novel.
2: Yes, which I have a handy copy here. It's The Silent Daughter. With a
0: rather creepy eye on the front and, cover. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. So yes, that's my, my debut novel. So I'm really delighted.
0: Can you tell us a bit about the novel?
2: Yeah, well, it's actually based in Edinburgh and Portobello. follows the story of a news reporter called Chris Morrison as he's looking for his missing daughter, Ruth. And part of the action takes place at Ruth's flat in Portobello, which is based on a flat that I rented when I first lived there. And I own a wee flat near Figget Park in Portobello, but the, the the action takes place closer to the sea. So it's, it features in, in this novel and also in the, the one that's coming out next year, Portobello Promenade, it features prominently in on that one. So it's good fun. I really love including, you know, trying to recreate the community a wee bit in my books.
0: And how do you represent the community of Portobello in your books? Then is it true to life, or does <laughs> but, it have a darker, sinister side to it?
2: Well, there's there's always a wee bit of darkness. So, you know, it's thrillers that are right, but usually the bits about Portobello are, are more the kind of someone pausing to admire how beautiful it is. I just love Portobello, and I love the combination of you know you can see the mountains, you can see the sea, and just the sort of activity on the promenade and I'd say it's represented in a very really positive way, despite the fact slightly creepy things may happen there <laughs> in the <laughs> process.
0: Oh, that sounds really exciting! And. Coming to the Portobello Book Festival then, Mm. Um, I think that you're doing an event with a few other authors, is that right?
2: Yeah, so I've created a group with six other Scottish authors who were all more or less at the same stage of our careers, so we're on sort of the second or third book, and we're called the Caledonia Crime Collective. Basically, we're we're a group of crime writers and we're we're hoping to support each other and new names and young, young writers in Scottish crime, so... It's good fun, you know, it's just great to get to know other writers and we're hoping to do lots of events around Scotland and and can't wait to do the Portobello Book Festival as well, which will be brilliant. We're doing it digitally because we'll be appearing on one of the recorded panels, but uh, it's brilliant and fantastic to be a part of it.
0: Do you think that people have changed how they read novels during the pandemic? Do you think that there's a bigger appetite for crime and darker things or have you not noticed any difference?
2: I don't know, I mean, I think it's a really interesting question because I think the book world was one of the few industries, I think, that did quite well. That and companies that sell sports equipment for homes, you know, I think did quite well in the, in the pandemic in some ways. But then, you know, in terms of bookshops were obviously closed. So there was a lot of online sales happening and things. But uh, in terms of how much people were reading, I don't know. You know, I think you think, oh, we all just spent last year sitting around reading books. But I don't think we did, really, did we? And in terms of darkness, I mean, I think, any good book, you know, that's real purpose is to give you an, a wee escape into a different world. So I think certainly there was a lot of appetite for that last year. And whether you like a bit of darkness or a bit of romance, I think it's, it's kind of up to personal taste. But I certainly think, I think the crime fiction in Scotland, the, the crime fiction world in Scotland, I think, is is really just flowering massively. I think there's it's becoming more and more diverse, you know, it's not just sort of detectives and murders, there's all sorts of different, you know, you've got historical crime, you've got more psychological thrillers like mine, and just, I think there's so much scope for different genres within the crime genre, you know, and um so whatever you like, you can find it in crime uh, writing, I think. I quit my job as a news reporter 10 years ago. I worked for the Press and Journal, as a news reporter and you know I've been trying and trying and trying to get published for a decade and and finally it's happening and I've now got two books on the go and a third one in the pipeline and it's just amazing it's a massive honour.
0: As well as Emma there is plenty in this year's festival for crime fiction lovers including an event with Leslie Kelly author of the Health of Strangers thriller series which she wrote about life in a pandemic but she wrote them way before we all lived through a pandemic.
3: Clearly, I <laughs> have second sight. I saw this coming. You know, when I started writing my books, I, I, I was writing detective s- stories set in Edinburgh. And obviously, you need a bit of a gimmick if you're going to be doing that, because there's so so many very good authors have beaten you to it. So I thought, well, the gimmick I'm going to go for is a background of a killer pandemic. When I started writing this back in 2016, I think that counted as speculative fiction. But now, obviously, I think it's documentary, really, that we're talking about.
0: So this year, or the last two years really, I suppose, now has been absolutely surreal for everybody, but for you especially, I imagine, having kind of preempted that and done, I imagine, quite a bit of research into pandemics and how people behave.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's so many things, you're watching the news and you're thinking, oh, you're hoarding, yeah, yeah, got that, Rise in domestic violence, got that, young people ignoring it and having raves, yeah, yeah, got that as well. And then there's other things like, you know, at the beginning when they had the rush on toilet roll, kind of thought, never saw that one coming. People in my books didn't get so upset about wearing masks as they they seem to be. And there wasn't a vaccine in my books, so I haven't had all the kind of vaccine debate in them, but uh, interesting times.
0: How have you found being writing during a pandemic then? Have you found it easy or?
3: I haven't really been writing. I've been writing other stuff, but I haven't written anything about the Health of Strangers series because it would just been too weird and too confusing to try and write a book about a fictional pandemic while going through a real pandemic. And quite a lot of my work, even before COVID came along, featured on things like emergency planning and, and pandemics. So, yeah, I, I don't think I could have borne sort of trying to, to write about my fictional team. And I think I would have got confused as well between what was happening in the imaginary world that I'd made up and what was happening in real life. So even in, in real life at work, I'm sitting thinking, oh, we could do such and such. And then, Oh, no, that doesn't exist in this universe. That, that's one of my made up ones. <laughs> Before I started writing the books, it was a bit of frustration that whenever you see something about a pandemic, it's always, you know, going to wipe out the whole of humanity, apart from a few stragglers that survive. I think, well, actually, we plan for things like pandemics. And if there was a pandemic, we would be able to respond to it because we have plans of what to do and all the emergency services would leap into action and people like the voluntary sector would help out as well. And that pretty much you know, was what happened, really. In my books, they focus on the health enforcement team, which is the agency that comes and hunts you down if you miss your monthly health check. And everybody has a green card that shows what their health status is. So I think that's pretty much where we've got to in real life. You're catching up fast real life and you've now got to this debate about whether we should have
0: vaccine passports or green cards or or whatever. Wow. So this is the Health of Strangers thriller and it's a series?
3: It's a series. There's four books and one short story in the series so far. It was based more on a, a flu pandemic. So I used all, all the symptoms of the Spanish flu pandemic, which happens more or less 100 years ago. And so this is the kind of centenary pandemic that we're in now, which was a, a bit different from this pandemic in terms of who came off worst in it. And with Spanish flu, the people that were most likely to be affected by it were the, the young and the fit because it overstimulated your immune system. So that would have been a whole other level of terror to to the pandemic and that the people that were most likely to die of it were teenagers and and young people, however scared we are about it at the moment. At least we haven't had that to deal with as well.
0: You're doing an event at the Portobello Book Festival. Can you tell us a bit about that?
3: I am. I'm I'm delighted to be talking to one of my fellow Sandstone Press authors, Willie McIntyre, who has also written a series of books, uh, but his are about a criminal lawyer who gets into various misadventures and it is strongly based on Willie's own experiences in the legal profession. They are hilarious. And I highly recommend that that you come along to, to listen to the banter between the two of us, which I'm sure will be great. <laughs> I know some, some authors actually hate going out and doing the, the, the public speaking and, and chatting to people. But I used to be a stand-up comedian, so I absolutely love it because audiences at book festivals are so much nicer than than the drunks that you get when you're doing stand-up comedy. I'll be absolutely delighted to see everybody at Portobello.
0: I also caught up with local author Graham Howard in his house in Portobello. Perhaps our listeners would already know you from a couple of the books that you've written about your career as a doctor, but I understand that the two latest books are perhaps something a bit different. Can you tell us a little bit about them? There's The Norris Sanction and Coda Fantasy and An Infernal.
4: Yes, this is a change. Um, I have not written a pure humour book before. Most of my books, as you know, have been uh, memoirs. The the Norris Sanction, I was looking for a book which is purely an entertainment. And then a few years ago, I read a book by uh, an Edinburgh author, which is a very good book, but the heroine was just too nauseatingly perfect. (laughs) Uh, You know, pretty, rich, wealthy, had a Nobel Prize or two, this sort of of thing. And so, hence, Norris was born. And he's actually based on a guy I lived with in London for a while, but Norris was born. He's the total antithesis to that that heroine. He's fat, overweight, not terribly attractive, badly dressed, lives on beer, cigarettes, fish and chips. Most of his dinner's on his shirt. And then someone tries to assassinate him. A love story, yeah, shall I just say a few words about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never written love stories, so I thought I'd try to, to write a love story, and in fact I ended up writing, writing three, looking at different aspects of love, not just love between adults. I love between, uh, for another person, for a thing, for music. And another thing I was quite keen to explore was how your world can change in an instance. You know, wake up one day, and a few hours later, your whole world's changed, A rule books thrown out and you have to rethink your life. And in this case, and it's a common theme, uh, it's about a guy who's given a diagnosis when he knows it's going to um, be terminal and he's not got long to live. The middle story, fantasy, um, is about a guy who has a love um, for music, particularly piano music, and one particular piece of music, uh, in particular, that's ship fantasy and Trump too, and he just loves this. He's, he's had a difficult childhood, ran away from home. He's a successful businessman, runs a cleaning company. His firm cleans concert halls as well, and he, um, he wants to be a concert pianist. Um, the final one, um, Intermezzo, is about a, a break in um, someone's life, as it is a, a break in two pieces of music. And this is about passionate, physical love between young people, young doctors, it happens, because it's about anything I know about, and um, a young uh, opera star, a mezzo-soprano.
0: Tell me about then the Portobello Book Festival mm. and why it's important to you as a Portobello author that we come together as a community and talk about books.
4: Yeah, I think, um, f- firstly, the library, as well as the book festival, and obviously very much intertwined, have been hugely important to this community. When I first started trying to go around in my books and get someone to launch them or stock them, it was Portobello Library. Paul Hudson and his actually said, yeah, come along, we'll we'll have a launch. And most most people were not terribly supportive, if I'm being honest. But he was, and subsequently I've had all my book launches at Portobello Library. And the book festival, obviously, is, I think it's in its 12th year now, and uh, May sure the chairman of the organising committee, I think, and her, her and her team have done a brilliant job. I think it's important to support these things. I think they are an integral part of the, the Portobello community.
0: And finally, back to Joanne. Have I missed anything, Joanne?
1: We've got historical fiction with Flora Johnson and Caroline Dunford. We've got a, a previous Booker nominee, Andrew O'Hagan. He's coming to talk about his latest book, Mayflies got contemporary fiction with Angela Jackson. Uh, her latest book's called The Darlings. And then we have Val McDermott. She's the final event of the festival this year and she's going to be talking about her book 1979, which I believe is the beginning of a new series. So that's our, our crime writers. If you want a ticket, how do you get a ticket? Yeah, so the tickets this year... It's very slightly different. So we're restricted in our numbers. We've been told we can only have a certain number of people in the spaces, which which is fair enough. So it's likely to be uh, smaller numbers actually in the audience, but it's better than it was last year when it was just online. you know, these people can come along this year. But the one big difference is quite often you could come along on the day. And if there was a space you could get in, we can't do that this year. Tickets have to be picked up in advance and they're picked up from the library and to try and give as many people as possible a chance to get tickets we're asking people just to take two for an event if they, if they go along rather than pick up, I don't know, six for your friends or whatever I mean, the, the thing that we do to make it really accessible, as I say, is it's free so, you know, as long as you can get yourself a ticket, you can come along you, you don't need to have bought anything in advance you don't need to buy the books, although it would be nice but you can just come along and, and hear people chat about their books So the Portobello Book Festival runs from the 1st to the
0: 3rd of October this year and the hope is that several of the events will also be available for a while online afterwards.